1: it's hard and it's scary but like you know at the end of the day like i'm not afraid to go get like rejected by a stranger it's like that's the name of the game at this point i'm alex bloomberg host of the podcast startup and you're listening to we are la tech
0: And i'm a product manager i built platforms used by aol coca-cola and national geographic i love listening to we are la tech because Springer team really make it easy for us to understand the la tech community and really break down how companies and users can utilize this new emerging technologies to build businesses and connect with their communities you can follow me online at josephhoguin.com that's joseph h-o-l-g-u-i-n dot com today's personal spot is about looking cool versus actually feeling and being cool it's funny i live in los angeles and in los angeles we all have to We all have to show up in a certain way, or at least it feels like we have this pressure in society that we have to show up in a certain way. By the way, I'm walking by the skate park, so if you hear a bunch of sounds like tennis courts and skateboards, that's what it is. It's interesting because, just because a person has a lot of things or has the you know Photoshopped Instagram perfect life doesn't actually mean that we feel fulfilled and content on the inside. And what is success really? Is it how it appears or is it how we feel in private when no one's looking? And I know that I want the kind of success where it's how I feel in private when no one's looking. And it's hard to like, let go of getting caught up, at least in LA of, I don't drive the coolest car like other people, you know, everyone in LA in tech now has a Tesla. I don't even want a Tesla, you know? (laughs) And it's weird to not feel like I'm going to be perceived as less than because I don't want these things. And I'm not saying that everybody that has these things doesn't enjoy them. They probably really enjoy them. I just mean the concept of having things just for the sake of having them rather than them actually bringing fulfillment to their lives. Like if I went off and bought the car even though I didn't want the car, right? I think a lot of people in Los Angeles do that. They, they get the thing just to look a certain way, but they still feel like they go home with themselves and you know, don't, don't feel vibrant. And so I'm just like really challenging myself to like let go of the pressure I feel. Because even though I don't give in to the pressure, I feel it all the time. I feel like, oh man, like I got to be a certain way because of this and that. And um, just, I even talk about it in therapy. Now I'm talking about it with you on this personal spot. But I just think it's so important we let all that go. We let all of it go looking a certain type of way online or out and about, just fucking be human, you know? And just lean into being human and being ourselves and and forming real connections based on, I mean, is that okay? You know, like business gets done when you portray confidence and friendships gets made when you are the most enjoyable person to be around, or even yesterday I heard that that's how you attract someone, you know, it's just, I don't know I just I just want to be me and just my real self and have people in my life that just appreciate and want to be around me for being me I don't know a bit a bit of a a rant or I don't know what that is but (laughs) I don't know can you relate let me know all right enjoy the next episode to the We Are LA Tech podcast spotlighting Los Angeles tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest coming at us from West LA. Bo, hello, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, I'm so amped up right now with that introduction.
0: (laughs) Yay! Bo, I'm so excited. Go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I'm Bo Abrams, born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm actually graduating from UCLA Anderson Business School in Whoa, uh, eight Wow, de- you really did days. LA. <laughs> I'm I'm all I left. I went to Philly for undergrad, and I was like, this is too cold, and I came right back. And yeah, I started a company with my co-founder Gus, who is also a, an Anderson classmate of mine, and also a Los Angelino, born and raised. And it's uh, it's called Komu, and it's basically a private mobility. And home sharing network that, you know, allows you to share your plans and discover where your friends live across the globe, kind of like a LinkedIn for your home base. And then that allows you to, you know, share your place with your friends, whether that's at cost, for free, on an exchange, so that you can really leverage your asset uh, if you're not allowed to, you know, list it on Airbnb or or sort of list it uh, or sublease it out.
0: I was just going to ask, how is this different from Airbnb?
1: So it actually evolved from the problem that uh, we're not allowed as renters, Gus and I are not allowed to actually list our place on Airbnb or sublease it out. And, you know, the the long story short of it is that, you know, we are really a social network. So we don't take a fee or anything to help you connect with your friends and discover where they live across the world. From there, you're allowed to offer your place, you know, uh, on your terms. We just give you the tools to do that. But that was kind of the big aha moment for Gus and I. This all started as a home-swapping platform. And there was a lot of issues with that and rigidity that we could talk about and, and friction uh, where we learned a lot. But really the truth is by being a social network, like we're seeing all these groups. I don't know if you, you, know, you see on Facebook or Discord or Slack, private groups where people are listing their places for subleases and whatnot. You're actually protected as a platform under that Section 230 compliance if you don't take a fee from that. So that's why you don't see you know, Facebook getting regulated uh, like Airbnb is with these home sharing ordinances. So we're just doing the same thing. We're centralizing those efforts and saying, hey, connect with your network across the globe. Use us to discover where your friends live because there's no active data right now to show us where our friends currently live from across the globe. And then from there, a lot of these home exchanges and these subleases and whatnot amongst your trusted network of friends are going to start existing so that we can actually leverage those assets properly.
0: And where, how far along are you in your company?
1: So we just closed our initial uh, 500k pre-seed funding. Congrats! Uh, bu- thank you. We're building it now, and because that went so well, and because we we know what the build is going to really cost, we have this excellent team that's working with us. They're also our lead investor. Um, but because we want to make this right and get to market, you know, by this summer and uh, capitalize on the greatest summer of travel ever anywhere. Sorry, greatest summer of travel ever. (laughs) Excuse me. I was just so excited. We are going to up that round and increase it to $1.5 So we want to make sure that we get enough runway. You know, I'm sure as you're aware, it's a a pretty tricky environment fundraising-wise right now. We want to have enough runway to really compete uh, with the other startups in the space that are also a little bit more well-funded with their seed rounds closed.
0: Totally. And you talked about just in a few days how you're graduating from UCLA. How has UCLA helped support you in launching your startup?
1: Um, I mean, you know, I think UCLA has been tremendously supportive. I think the the big thing is, it's LA is a consumer capital, right? And we're we're very passionate about that as founders. And so, you know, UCLA has been a great place for us to network, not only with our classmates but with our professors. Some of the best capital intros that we've gotten and guidance from mentors and you know, uh, sort of advisors that we've sought out have come out of that UCLA ecosystem. And, you know, there's just programming that you go through with business school, like to to start businesses, um, different, you know, even competitions. We won the biggest uh, pitch competition at UCLA that awarded us, you know, $24,000 or whatnot. But that actually gave us and that's great because that's right. That's non dilutive funding. Uh, But beyond that, that gave us an opportunity to do some really deep digging on these home sharing ordinances and how to position ourselves so that we actually weren't going to get regulated like a lot of our competitors are. Um, And so we really think like, you know, it was just a big two year opportunity to learn and grow. And now we're graduating and Gus and I will be the first to tell you, we didn't go to business school to start a business. It's like taking on a bunch of debt and now trying to like be founders. It's like, let's add, let's add some more stress to this very stressful situation. But um, we couldn't imagine doing anything else. And that two years of learning and preparing for this moment is really, you know, we're really excited to go out and, and go make a big company that's, you know, LA born and raised.
0: And how did you both meet?
1: We just became friends. We met, I will say this, Gus, He probably hate that I'm I'm talking about him like this on this podcast publicly, but Gus is the smartest guy at Anderson. He is a Stanford undergrad computer science major. He has a 770 GPAT, which is like 99.9th percentile on the first try. It's college jeopardy. And he's also like hilarious and funny and personable and a, a great business person and leader. And we were just talking about- If only everyone
0: um, could talk about their co-founder that way.
1: He's, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm always concerned that they'll realize they don't need me because we're at the same business school program. But besides the point, we were just talking about our experience because we were both digital nomads and, and, and digital nomad friendly jobs before school started and how even both of us had, you know, six figure jobs and we still could not afford to go and be abroad for a month, you know, in a different town or somewhere else and then truly utilize that. And so we just kind of had that same, you know, pain uh, as consumers of like, I can't afford To go actually experience the world, and we really believe it's a it's a it's a fundamental right that we should have as humans, to be able to go travel and like learn from different cultures and have those different experiences and really feel that sense of community when you're abroad. Which I can talk about, you know, as we get through this podcast about how Komu really is focused on facilitating community for any of the trips that you have. Uh, But that we were just like we just got to go and start trying and building and learning as as best we can.
0: Let's dive into community now. It's obviously something really important to me with We Are LA Tech and traveling to over a hundred startup cities around the world. Tell me, I I'm dying to hear about your passion for community.
1: Yeah. I mean, community is everything. And I, you know, I could talk to you know some previous experiences that I've had that kind of formed that uh, opinion, but I, I will also just say like everything that I am in my life personally is, is just a manifestation of the community that has sort of made me who I am uh, intrinsically. But beyond that with Komu, Which is, by the way, which is why we're named Komu. It's it's actually to play into joining the community. Komu is Icelandic for arrival. Yeah, but, like, every other uh, platform in our space is really focused on the places, right? Like, how does your apartment look? Like, what quality is it? You know, yeah, what city yeah. is it in? We're a lot more people-focused because, oh, like— Oh, it,
0: it reminds me of Couchsurfer.
1: It is, but it's Couchsurfer, but then you, it's, for the most part, allowing you to also have your own privacy and trust and, you know, knowing that, you're like, if I, I'm a six-foot-six dude and I would not go Couchsurf, but that, that's not to knock Couchsurfing. It's just—that's my preference, but— Community is so imperative because, like, you know, Brian Chesky, CEO of Airbnb, was talking about this recently on a Wall Street Journal interview, talking about how, you know, there's 100 million of us now in in the post-pandemic world that could could really work nomadically. But if you were to go to, let's say, Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming, for a month, right, uh, it might be hard to meet people to actually, like, feel like a local in Jackson Hole. And with Komu, first and foremost, you're coming to our app. And you're seeing, OK, do I have any first degree connections out here? Because that's really what we're we're building, right? This idea of like a LinkedIn for your home base. So you'll first see, is there anybody out there that I've come across in my life, you know, whether that be from undergrad or from previous jobs or whatever, that you would be surprised lives in Jackson Hole. Then you'll also see if there's other people in your network that are traveling to Jackson Hole, you know, overlapping the same dates as you. Uh, and then we sell you into sort of becoming an upgraded communi- community member. Uh, and from there you can actually second and see second and third degree connections. So imagine you're in Jackson hole, you don't have any first degree there or traveling there at the same time, but you find that, you know, uh, we both, you have a mutual friend in Bo hopefully. And from there you're like, let's go, you know, you connect and you say, let's go get coffee. Like, let's go, you know, out and get a drink. And then yeah, we'll, we'll work to help also coordinate some of those events as well. Like, can we get organized workspaces for our members? Can we find ways to help you feel like you're actually a local in that space? And then next time you go back when you're connected, That person might be out of town. They might offer you, you know, for 50 bucks a night an amazing, you know, place to stay in Jackson Hole that otherwise would have been $300 a night on Airbnb and not probably even able to be listed and inflating the crap out of Jackson Hole's housing situation, which is creating a housing crisis. So we're really about asset utilization. And because it's built across trust and your friends, nobody really wants to screw over their friends and, you know, do terrible things to the local economy. We're about actually leveraging your spaces you know, to to really create that reciprocity and travel and experience amongst your community. So that's really where we come in and really facilitate that.
0: And why are you and your co-founder the people to make this happen? How are you able to instill that trust to raise that seed round?
1: It was first from learning from the alpha and beta. So just stepping back. You know, I think like at the end of the day, you know, there's definitely amazing, more talented people maybe than me for sure, but maybe, maybe Gus, I don't know. I think Gus is incredibly talented, but there are people out there that have tremendous experience directly in the space, right? Gus and I really came from a position of we're the consumers, the digital nomads that experience the pain, but you know, are we the most qualified necessarily to be the guys trying to build the next great giant company? Who knows? Well, like time will tell that we really believe it, but we got a lot to prove, but a lot of it to us was just going out and doing it. And the first time I tried to start a company, like I really don't feel like I moved at all. This go around, we were like, okay, what can we do? How can we test this? We built a, a lean website for the first iteration of this, which was a home swapping platform called Swapped. It's a play on words like Swap Apartment, S-W-A-P-T. And we had nine, it was a crappy like lean website that we threw together in like an hour and we had like 900 unique website visitors in a few months and 90 signups. And it was so excited because we we're like, we don't know any of these people. We spent no money advertising or marketing this. But then we were like, wait, like we can't just like we did facilitate exchanges, but we're like, we can't just keep facilitating or trying to facilitate exchanges because we don't know these people. And if something nefarious or wrong were to happen, that could devastate the company and really hurt, you know, so people could get hurt in this you know situation. You're letting somebody into your most personal asset, your most personal place, your home. Um, so we stepped back and then we built Komu. And, and if you went to the website right now, go komu.com, you would see what the, the current beta still is. A little bit better of a website, still probably needs some work. But like the idea here was, we're going to instill trust and safety into the platform. We incorporated, you know, we we really focused our messaging on a community. But you had to be referred by a current member. There was a multi-step address and identification process to actually, you know, that we're we where we were verifying that you live where you say you live, you are who you say you are, like a background check. And then, you know, uh, we would sell these damage insurance policies also. So like if you and I were to go in exchange. I would pay, you know, 80 bucks to be covered up to $5,000 in damage in case I were to spill wine on your couch. And that was great. But there was just so much friction and drop off. Like I would be, we would ping somebody immediately like, Hey, you have a week to upload your photos. And they'd be like, Hey, I'm out of town for three months. Cause like, obviously, right. It's COVID and everybody, you know, is traveling for long periods of time. That was part of like the reason that we learned and understood like to go this other way. It was kind of this, you know, going in tandem with our competitors in the markets were seeing what they were doing that was working or wasn't working the deep legal digging with our team on those home sharing ordinances that I mentioned earlier. And ultimately like this belief, like we were like, Oh my God, we're trying so, so hard to build a network of trust, a two-sided marketplace across a network of strangers that don't know each other. Why don't we just reveal the trusted networks that we have? And as we like really went deeper into that, we started seeing people post all the time on Instagram being like, Hey, I'm in New York. Like, You know, who's here right now? Who wants to meet up? I'm in D.C. And we're like, what if we just solve that simpler problem and create a robust network? Uh, And then from there, it's like we don't have to do the two sided marketplace, like try to spend a ton of money to acquire users anymore. We can just let people share these assets amongst their friend group. And then we'll upsell people into discovering a broader network if they feel comfortable, you know, going into that. But they don't have to do that from the get go. A lot of people we think on Komu are just going to be using us as a, you know, to discover where their friends live across the world, and we you know the the coolest thing that I'm excited about beyond well, there's two features, but the, one of them is just being able to say, yeah, I want to see my you know UCLA Anderson network in New York. I want to see my Haverford – that's where I went undergrad network in Philly or, or in New York, excuse me, and like being able to segment those different groups and message them either in mass or individually, like in one message in one fell swoop to 50 separate people on our platform to save you that time of having to like text everybody or message somebody that you saw, you know, posted that they were in New York at the same time. It's like, we're going to allow you to do that in a frictionless way. Maybe you just update your calendar and they get push notified, you know, that you're on your way over to New York in three weeks. So it's about that coordinating of mobility. That's why I really want to emphasize that we're also really a mobility network. That's what opens up, though, all the liquidity of properties.
0: For the seed round, did you raise in L.A. or outside of L.A.?
1: Pre-seed round is all, uh, the fund is in LA and then the friends and family are mostly in LA, but there's a mix and like we-
0: wait, which LA fund?
1: It's called SH Capital. So it's it's Swenson, he is the development uh, team that we're working with to actually build this. uh, But they are, they will also invest in companies that they really believe in, which is great because right, if you work, that was one of the big critical things that we needed to figure out, right? Are we gonna raise and hire people to come on pretty early and take a big risk in their careers? Or are we gonna go get- a great team, either abroad or domestically to do this as a dev shop. But then, you know, there's pros and cons to each of that. I like the dev shops, right? It's contractual. So if they, you know, it's not like the incentives are as aligned as if somebody comes on and risks their career with you. But then these guys investing in us is kind of like the best win-win, right? Because obviously they're invested in our long-term success as they build this with us. And then we've talked with a lot of funds in LA. I actually worked at Water Tower Ventures. Uh, I went to business school to become a venture capitalist. So I got a lot of, you know, great experience there. And then
0: you got lost and became a founder. Well, I, you
1: know, like I, it just I, when when you kind of feel that that moment of like this has to this ha- has to be built, like we have to go do this, like and that, back to your question of like, why us? It's like I I see that long term potential of this network. And I'm like, if I don't go forward and do this, like I will never forgive myself. Like, so let's let's go.
0: Are you familiar with your friendly, uh, not exactly competitor, but in the same space outside?
1: Outside? No. I've not oh. heard of outside.
0: Outside is awesome. And your company makes me think of like outside from a different angle. So outside essentially owns the properties and then or leases, whatever it is, they have the properties. And then we all stay in different Outsights around the world. And what I love about it, they hate that I would describe it this way, but I think it's like a grown up hostel. <laughs> they would not like me to call it a hostel at all. But that's how I see it. And I love it. It's just so much community. And it, whatever outside I go to, I have a community manager and like a ton of rad people to plug into. So what I love about what you're doing with Komu is that if I'm traveling to Oregon or to Barcelona or wherever I'm going, I could see who's going there, too. And I can like sync up with those people. And it's like within my network of, of safety and also that maybe we could stay at a place together. Like I hate staying at Airbnbs unless I'm staying at the Airbnb specifically for the Airbnb. But like if I'm just traveling, I like staying in hostels because of the community. So to think that essentially wherever I could go, I could have that hostel ex- community experience because of Como, that's pretty cool to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exactly that feeling. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I was never a big hostel staying person. But like, I wish I'd, you know, every time I've ever gone abroad and seen my friends either stay at hostels or like, you know, met up with people that, I met, you know, when I'm abroad. They're staying in a hostel, they're always in groups enjoying that, you know, community together, experiencing that place authentically. We're trying to do that, but also with, you know, like in uh, the outside sense, incredible, but right, like as a, as a business, they have to, they had to expend a, a bunch of capital to own those properties, which is, which is awesome. But also like, you know, we're trying to be this asset light approach of like, well, you know, there's all these rules and regulations that we think we, we really can legally get around that allow you to like not have your place just sitting there empty and unused while you're gone because right an Airbnb is $150 a night on average in the top 20 US cities that's a hotel price and so if you were to go for a month to Jackson Hole like I mentioned you know you're going to have to pay an uh, an incremental $4500 on that Airbnb on top of the rent you're paying for your place that's sitting there empty and unused and we just think that that's just such a waste and such a such a problem for people that really just or if we're renting right when theoretically like a lot of us we just can't afford to go travel and do all those things that we otherwise would really want to do
0: totally i totally agree and how how did you find the fundraising process was it really difficult was it fluid did you have to do anything special how many investors did you meet with to get to where you are
1: gosh it's been it's been a learning process i mean it's still open right now that we're increasing the rounds so i'm constantly trying to have as many conversations as possible i think i gotta say like in the early part of it, it's like, uh, and you learn as you go. Right. But like, I think for the amount of conversations that we had, the conversion rate was pretty darn good. Like I was expecting a lot more nos to get to the yeses, but like the truth is we really, like, I think we really started warm, like everybody, you have to run a process. Right. And I think a lot of people go like, I'm going to identify all these funds and angels that are in this network and industry. I'm going to like, and I'm going to email them and like, you know, send out a thousand emails and 900 of those will be no's and 100 will be open to uh, talking, whatever. We were like, let's just talk to as many people as we could, whether those are customers, uh, potential investors, advisors, just like start to really like I don't like this whole stealth mode thing. I'm like, let me tell you what we're building right now. Like even now, I'm telling your podcast listeners what we're building. It's not built yet. And those warm introductions from people that know me, you know, know me, that know Gus uh, and what we're building have been the most fruitful by far. Uh, Even our lead fund came from. You know, another another fund of a, of, from a guy I knew uh, that recommended us, and so uh, I think it's going well. But that being said, like uh, you know, I think now the volume is really starting to pick up for me because uh, I think like we're definitely you know you, we start with your your network of people that you know, and now it's like okay, we're starting to get to that point where like I, these are not people I know necessarily, or, or I'm seeing funds and identifying them and whatnot. And then going and seeing, like, going to their LinkedIn and seeing, like, who do we have a mutual friend? Would that person, like, introduce us? Um, Because at the end of the day, I will say this, like, and we're working on it with our messaging and our deck. I think we've, like, we just updated the deck. And when we get to those meetings and we talk about what we're building, people get really excited, especially because it's a consumer, you know, app. And, like, they can understand their use case for it. It's not like a B2B, you know, software company necessarily. But, um. If we're not getting those meetings because the deck or the messaging, you know, that we're sending outbound is not, you know, getting us there, then there's a disconnect that we that's what like we're working on constantly. Like, how do we make sure that what what we're saying that gets them excited in person when we're talking to them is coming across in 15 or fewer slides?
0: I'm curious, what is the core competency for your founder, your co-founder? And then what's your core competency? Like, what are the main areas that each of you are leading?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're actually, you know, we have a lot of similarities. Like like I said, Gus is, you know, he's a full stack engineer from Cisco, but he also worked uh, in product management at Roku over the summer and product marketing at an internship at Upful uh, while I was in business school. I came from, you know, uh, the finance world started. I was in uh, fundraising for a hedge fund in Los Angeles. And then I worked at uh, an asset management company for a little bit and then i worked um, in operations at a startup so i really kind of wanted to get myself more involved at that you know that stage and then i was you know merging those to go work in venture capital those passions for finance and technology and i did work in venture capital but the truth is it's like i think my core competency which i which i've learned uh, through this process is is i'm like the chief sort of evangelist and salesman for komu like i believe that i am constantly selling this sort of dream and vision for what this can be I'm selling my investors to believe in that Gus and I know what we're doing and we're capable as first time founders of going out and executing um, and putting their money, you know, in the right places with the right people to make sure that this is getting built right. And then ultimately, like I am, I I feel like eventually, you know, once we start hiring, I'll be selling our employees that this is good, you know, that they're going to come in early at a company that's going to be a massive, massive company, a public company one day. Uh, And Gus is also a great salesman, but, you know, he really is the guy managing the tech stack. So whereas I'm kind of more focused a little bit more on the go-to-market, uh, our customers like, you know, really making sure that we're building the right, you know, sort of like building the right product from a customer-centric point of view, Gus is taking those insights with me, working with the team at Swenson he to make sure that we're building that and, you know, focused on putting a great product in people's hands from the get-go. Uh, so we really complement each other in that way in terms of being like, you know, a technical versus more of a business and sales, I would say, like, you know, f- founding team. But we also do have a lot of overlap, and you because know, we're at the same business school together, we, we're in the same courses, learning the same things.
0: Totally, I know you have really deep roots in L.A., but why continue to stay in L.A.? Especially that you have this background in venture capital. I'm sure you're aware that you know L.A. isn't the f- most robust for venture capitalists to you know give up their money. Like other cities are more open to uh, to taking chances. So LA still has a lot of work to do to grow, to become the tech city that we need to be. So why did you think LA was the best for building Como?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, right, like you nailed it, right? I'm I'm very passionate about LA. And I also see LA as the one of the, the great new big tech hubs, like in the next, you know, 50 years, I think LA will be right up there with Silicon Valley. And I'll explain that I think a lot of that is our focus on consumer. So when I say that, it's like, obviously, there's a tech focus on consumer. There's great companies like Snap, for instance, that are out here. But like we are just a consumer empire, broadly speaking, across the board, right? The entertainment industry, media, all of that is, is kind of being built around consumer. And you're seeing this massive kind of convergence from tech to consumer, in my opinion. So like even think about Andreessen Horowitz and or even like your podcast, for instance, it's like People like Andreessen is a good example, right, where they have their A16 podcast where they start talking about their companies that they're investing in and why all of a sudden, you know, the, the uh, Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz become like these sort of, you know, figures in the sort of the zeitgeist of tech, uh, like Elon Musk. And they're just becoming more like almost like celebrities. And then that's like propagating these companies into becoming successful companies because they're getting that exposure, You know, from these guys that are very influential in the biggest industry in the world, the technology industry. And it's kind of like how like those guys uh, talk about how they were really in touch with, uh, you know, the CAA like partnership and whatnot out here and saying that, like, they recognize that this is now not just about putting capital into companies. A lot of it is about the sort of media marketing machine that, you know, then again, pushes those companies to the next stage. So I just kind of believe like that's inevitable. Like L.A., because of our sort of entertainment presence, like you're going to see a lot of tech being built out here. First off, I think our lifestyle is just way better than San Francisco and New York. No offense. But also just like we understand consumer in a different way. And that creates tremendous value for those companies. So I think we're just ahead of the curve there. But, yeah, Gus and I, like I said, we're, we're just very passionate about L.A. I think it's so funny that people think, you know. Uh, you've got to go up to the Bay to like build or whatever. I know that you're saying more for fundraising, but I, I've gotten a lot of feedback about, you know, going up to the Bay and we're no, like,
0: same. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, this is technology. Like this is designed to create the opportunity to do and build and work and be in this anywhere. You know, I'm talking to you across town right now, somehow through airwaves or through, you know, the internet instantaneously. Like, why does it, why do I have to be physically, you know, up North to build the same thing that I could build down here? Um, so that was always just another, you know, pain point. And like, you know, I think we are building a product that's designed to actually let you live and work anywhere. So like it's not that we are like so hell bent on being based in LA. It's just that like, you know, we've had great conversations with some of the funds down here. We're, you know, hopefully gonna close one or two of them in this in this round to, you know, kind of round out the remaining one million that we want to raise. But like, yeah, we're, we're not opposed to going to New York or San Francisco uh, for more funding. It's just like we haven't even needed to go and sort of open that release valve yet because things are sort of going so well with the the L.A. funds that understand our vision for being, again, a consumer behemoth company out here.
0: Totally. OK, a couple L.A. questions, L.A. specific questions. One, who is a talent you've come across lately? Could be a person or a company based in L.A. who's really impressed you?
1: Ooh, that is an interesting question. A person or a company in L.A. who has really impressed me? Gosh, let me let me let me think for a second on that one. I mean, I will I will say, like, I really love um, he's my old neighbor, which was just happenstance. But he's a musician named Laven Collie, and he's an RB singer. And uh, he just finished his first tour. And man, like, you know, when you got it, you got it. Kind of thing. Like he was just an amazing, amazing talent. So I'm really impressed uh with what he's done. Uh and I'm I'm thinking that, you know, he's gonna be huge one day. And then m- one of my buddies, Chuck Bennett, uh, started a company called Rainbow Jimmy. I'm wearing the hat, or I was wearing the hat now. I'm switching to my LA hat. It's a great uh apparel company that I think like, you know, he he spun out of Mad Happy. I don't know if you've heard of that brand, but he was like, I think the former creative director of mad happy, which really blew up again. Those guys are also, uh, alum from my high school. They've done a great job and built a great product and brand, but like Chuck, I think is just, you know, he really is, is cool with like exploring his creativity and, and really bringing his personality and his sort of experience to his clothing and to, you know, what he's building at rainbow Jimmy. So really excited for them to really formally like launch and and be out there. I, there are some products I think you could buy right now at, I think it's rainbowjimmy.com, but like just love seeing friends and people that I come across in my life that just are like, you know what, this is what I got to do. I'm going to go put my my time into this, my life into this and and seeing where that creativity goes. Like it's always really impressive and inspiring.
0: And what resource do you think is in LA that we should all be tapping into to help us with our startup growth?
1: We talked about community and you can imagine how hard it is sometimes to build, uh, you know, community or like really, you know build a startup, regardless of what it is, when you're not around other founders, it's like why accelerators are so valuable. If you could be in a physical space around other startup founders or investors, you're going to learn a lot from their experience and share that with each other. And when we all moved to like zoom and whatnot, it was just really difficult to find that and do that. But of course you start to get all these like Slack groups and people like, Oh, join this, you know, this group of founders and this other group of founders. And they all were really like mediocre in my opinion. And, you know, look, I, I'm saying that in the sense of like me, Gus and I were also are still learning how to build community and what that means, what that skill set is. But we were uh, reached out to by a, a classmate to join this um this group called Propel. And uh Propel has been, you know, an amazing resource, I would say, for you know, finding and building community online. Like they are, they just really get it. They've been very impactful, I think, in terms of you know, teaching Gus and, and I how to to build community and like, they just do a really good job of like, you know, introducing you to the right people in the group. Like they understand your pain points that you're dealing with. They understand, like, they want to get you in in in-person events and like, you know, we work all access so that you can all work together. So that, that has been a really valuable resources. I think everybody, like, again, like you, I'm nothing without my community and I need a community to build Komu, right? You know, if we're building something for everybody, we need everybody involved to kind of help us make sure that we're making the right product. So Propel has been really, I think, key in helping us get there.
0: And they're LA based.
1: So uh, Emily, who's out here, is she's in LA. So one of the like they have like three community managers, and we've mostly talked to and worked with Emily, but she's based in LA. But it really is a network across um, across the globe, focused mostly on the U.S. So they have on that website when you're a member, what's really cool is being able to search by you know different roles, but also by location. So I was really, I'm still really trying to build out our New York you know, community, because we really, there's a lot of people that while we're still running that beta, as we build, there's a lot of people that want to do these home exchanges between LA and New York. So I've been going right through the Propel community, just like, here's the 400 people in New York. Like, and I would just message them in the Slack or be like, Hey, like, this is what we're building. These are some of the places, people and places that want to exchange to New York. Are you interested? So like that website is just really a directory, but it's like a, a directory of tremendous value.
0: That's awesome. And your favorite restaurant to go to in LA?
1: I live around the corner from B.C. Collette, and I love B.C. Collette. I don't know if you know it, but what kind of
0: food. I don't know it.
1: Oh, my gosh. You have to go. It's a it's a French uh, like bistro style restaurant. But it's same uh, same ownership group as Republique down in La Brea. But man, like everything I eat there is amazing. The cocktails are amazing and like the vibe. It's kind of like this underground, you know sort of reminds you it like makes you really feel like you're in New York, which I really love. like that energy kind of comes across because I think that's another hard part about LA is like if you're not from here, we're built on sprawl like it, you know it's so hard to get to know different like to get to Silver Lake or Echo Park or Venice and actually get a community out there's really hard if you don't live there. So when I find places that like remind me of New York where you're like you're gonna get thrown in there and just find community, I really latch on to that because I want. That's the whole point of coming. Too is like I really want to be bi coastal, you know. Like, but I just, I just can't afford to do it.
0: I just went to a great restaurant this last week called Wallflower in uh, Venice. It was amazing. Great cocktails, so good.
1: I haven't been. I've heard great things.
0: So good. A hike that you recommend that we do.
1: So I, one of the things I do when my friends come visit LA is I actually take them on a night hike which sounds really sketchy and it is a No, terrible,
0: it sounds amazing
1: <laughs> it's a terrible first date idea just telling you that but it's amazing like third to fifth date idea and once the truck it's like don- if you go on a first date with me up that sketchy dark trail like uh, you have you have a problem but yeah so it's uh, it's called Mount Hollywood and so basically and you want to be careful not to go when there's like a concert at the Greek or whatever because the traffic's terrible but normally I, we park at the Greek and you go up this path and then eventually get up to the top and like when you get up there, it's like a 360 degree view of all the way from like from past. You can see on a clear night, Pasadena to downtown to Santa Monica. And it feels like you're looking at this like almost miniature lit up model of L.A. And I always go up there to clear my head. I don't like to go necessarily alone. I mean, I'm a, again, I'm a big dude, but it, it feels a little bit weird up there alone sometimes. Like, you know, this is where I'm going to get murdered. What's crazy is there's tons of people on the trail at night as well. Like, so I'm not the only one that does this, of course. And uh, I would highly recommend it.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds so good. I want to do that. I'm very excited. <laughs>
1: we can, Listen, we can totally get a group hike of, you know, of, of LA tech passionate people. I'm happy to take them up and, and show them my favorite. That would
0: be awesome. I'm so into it. If somebody were to land in LAX right now, specifically for the tech community, what would you recommend that they do to get immersed as quickly as possible?
1: Yikes! Yeah, that's a tough one because I think I think that's the biggest challenge of LA is to go like, especially without offices, really at this point. Like, how do you get immersed into these tech communities? I would say like, it it would be a matter of basically booking like, you know, getting into these WeWork all accesses and like trying to be around other founders and other people that are trying to, you know, be together and build and try to insert yourself and talk about what you're doing. The Propel community again is also a great way to get involved. I've seen a lot of people talk about Launch House uh, out here in LA which if you're really you know a passionate founder I think that's a great accelerator that you can do to you know be around other founders as well but ultimately like I think that like I said especially as a cons- if you're building something consumer and that's probably the reason to be in LA like I think like you just got to go put a product out there that people really love
0: it's not that easy. Put a product out, like because you don't know where the people are.
1: <laughs> right, but that that's the thing. Like I'm, like I, for instance, I have a tremendous network in New York of people that I went to undergrad with, and you know, people that are my business school that graduated that live out there, and like you know, they're supportive and whatnot, and like some of them have been tremendously helpful with coming. But like for our go-to market, like I probably will get out into New York on the street in like the areas like Chelsea and Soho and East Village where. There's like our target customer, you know, 24 to 35 year olds that are, you know, primarily renters. And I will like probably have a QR code on a piece of paper and I will just talk about what Komu is, what we're building, how we're building it, why we're building it. And like, that might be just the hustle that I have to do to kind of make sure that like when we launch people in that area that we really want are excited, like we are, right? Like, it, it's, it's hard and it's scary. But like, I, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm not afraid to go get like rejected by a stranger. It's like that's that's the name of the game at this point. So it's, in L.A., it's a lot more difficult. I'll say that. But like, I, you know, I would just say get around those, pl- those shared workspaces and start talking.
0: A selfish question, because I'm obsessed with software. What is your favorite tool, either an app, a website, anything that productivity or otherwise? What is your favorite one?
1: Let's see. I've got three that come to mind. One is uh, okay. we've really utilized Typeform and I've started as we utilize oh, yeah. Typeform. Yeah. I've seen it everywhere now. And I'm like, this was it's so simple, but so effective. And speaking
0: for them in a couple of weeks.
1: Oh, there. yeah. Typeform's awesome. Notion has been an incredible yes. tool. Yes. <laughs> so we use like a Notion consultant to like help us like get organized, stay on top of everything from investors to customers. And then, and then she was like great at automating things so that like when you signed up for Komu, like it would automatically send you the text of, Hey, can you upload your, you know, your photos and whatnot? So like Notion's been incredible. And then I just started using Superhuman.
0: Yes, I use all of these. (laughs)
1: Superhuman has been like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. I, I, I like look forward to email now. So, so far Superhuman has been really great. I love like the idea of gamifying things that I hate so that I end up like liking them.
0: So, Superhuman for email, Notion for project management and automations, and Typeform uh, also for forms and automations. Do you want to shout out the consultant you're working with? I don't know if you're keeping that on the DL.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, she was. She, I'm happy to pass along her information. She, I think we met her on Upwork, but her name's uh, Amnaguta, and so she's she's based in India, but she's been just amazing. Like I, you know, this, she's so talented and like has put up with so much from from me and Gus of like and, and been so educational and like not just building something for us, but like teaching us how to work and like she she made a whole handbook of like it's this so cool <laughs> which was maybe just her like you know preventing me from like emailing her with a dumb question so that like i have to check <laughs> the, i have to check the handbook first before i email her
0: this has been amazing how can people connect with you
1: yeah so i mean listen you can follow me on twitter it's Bo h abrams we're, we're really and then our my tiktok i believe is bo abrams or Beau H. james but like we want to be very vocal and out there in like communicating what we're building. And we really want people that are excited to sign up. We should have a landing page soon at gocomu.com. So you can actually sign up and be notified as we, you know, build the product and update it and then be, you know, get that pre-release so that, you know, you can sort of beta test before we go public with it. Um, and then you'll still be able to get, sign up for the home exchange community uh, at gocomu.com. It's probably going to be gocomu.com slash beta, but it'll all be at the same gocomu.com website. But like, If you follow us on TikTok, you follow me and, you know, us on Twitter, like that's where we're going to be talking about how and, you know, what we're building because we want you to provide that feedback so that we make sure that this is built right. Again, it's not Bo and Gus building a community. It's literally a community building a community. We are here to facilitate all of that. So please help us out.
0: So rad. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. Last but most important question, what is your ask? We have so many people, not only in Los Angeles, but around the world listening. If we could do something to support and accelerate your access with Komu, what would that be right now? I mean, I know you're still raising. So do you want to put your your five-second elevator pitch out there?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, any investors we'd love to chat. I mean, we, again, we think that this is going to be a winner take all network. Like there's one LinkedIn for you professionally. There'll be one network for your home base where you discover your friends live across the world. Um, so if you want to get in hopefully on what will amount to a massive company one day, like we are here to chat. Um, and you know, my other ask is just like, we want people to, to sign up for that, you know, for that release we want so that when this actually gets to market, that's what keeps me up at night, right? Is go to market. I'm just like. Please, like when it's time to download and like, you know, use it like we want all the feedback we can get, but we want you to to really like use this product and tell us how you feel and what it's like, because we really believe we're building something that you're going to love
0: awesome thank you thank you thank you to connect and collaborate with more people in the la tech community remember to go to we are slash community that's we are la slash community say hello on social at we are la tech on twitter on facebook on instagram i will see you guys talk to you guys all the things in the next episode bye
1: bye Hi, I'm Bo Abrams, co-founder and CEO of Komu, a private network for mobility and sharing your home. I'm based in West L.A. and you're listening to We Are L.A. Tech.